This is ESPN New York Tonight with Larry Hardesty and Gordon Damer on 98.7 ESPN. We continue our coverage of Miami Jets with our guy, Rich Cimini, does a tremendous job covering the Jets for ESPN, has done so for quite a while. Joins us now. Hey, Rich, Larry and Gordon, how are you? Guys, good to talk to you for our weekly spot here. Uh, interesting week coming up with a Friday game. My, my days are all mixed up. I don't know what day it is now with the Friday game. <laughs> so, Rich, for the for – the, for, and I'll get to my question in a second, but just so we clarify, is what is today in the normal week? Is this a Monday? Is this a, is this a Wednesday? What is today in the – what would be the normal week? I think in in football world, uh, it's a Wednesday and a Thursday for the Jets. Okay. So, uh, yeah, tomorrow is Friday for the Jets. And then, of course, Thanksgiving will be Saturday, and then Friday will be Sunday, if that makes any sense. So, yeah, it's tough. You know, I'm talking to a bunch of players today, and, uh, you know, some of them are, you know, none of them like playing on a short week, but it's better than playing on Thursday. And some of them actually said the cool thing about it is they have none of them have played on a Friday night since their high school days. So that's kind of a different element to it. And, of course, it makes them postpone their Thanksgiving to Saturday. Uh, a few of the players I talked to said they really don't want to have a giant meal on a Thursday and then have to go out and play the Dolphins on Friday. So I think a lot of the Jets and their families will be celebrating Thanksgiving on Saturday. Especially if you're on the, the defensive secondary trying to keep up with Tyreek Hill, a, a big – a Thursday dinner is not 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 advisable. Yeah, I mean it's. I was actually talking to the Quentin Jefferson today. He's not a in the secondary, but he's on the defensive line, and that's exactly what he said, Larry. He goes, you know, we he goes, those guys have an Olympic track team, and uh, it's best for all of us, even the big guys, to watch what we eat on Thursday, so we can be light on our feet Friday. Rich, uh, you don't just cover the Jets, but at this point of your career, you're almost like a Jet historian at this point. Do you sit and watch these games this year? Is this the worst offense you've ever seen? Well, actually, let's not forget what last we saw last year because uh, the Jets, <laughs> until they scored on Sunday against Buffalo, they had gone 40 straight possessions without a touchdown. And I asked our great stats people at ESPN Stats and Information to check the last time the Jets went 40 straight possessions without a touchdown, and they got back to him, and he said it was last year <laughs> at the end of the year into the beginning of this year. So, um, so I don't know if it's the worst, uh, Gordon, because I, we've seen this so many times. There was a stretch, I think it was 2019 with Adam Gase, where, where it was pretty bleak there for a while. And so, yeah, I mean, this. These things pop up every now and then. Uh, the stat, to me, that just pops off the page, the Jets have nine offensive touchdowns this year in, in total. I mean, the Dolphins scored 10 in one game. So, uh, so it's, uh, you know, it's kind of a – you talk about a uh, you know, tale of two offenses going into this game. Rich, what can we logically expect from this Jet offense this week? I mean, short week – uh, Tim Boyle, we know he's familiar with the offense, but he hasn't really had any interaction, you know, as far as reps, a lot of serious reps with the ones. What can we really expect? Larry, I have no idea. <laughs> I'll be honest <laughs> with you. It's, I mean, Tim Boyle has not played a lot of football. I mean, he did play. I actually went back and watched some preseason tape from this summer. Um, he had a couple of good moments. He had four touchdown passes in the preseason. 
and there were some decent moments, but he was playing late in games, you know, against third stringers when he did that. You know, he started three games for the Lions, but that was a couple of years ago, 2021 season. So there really isn't a lot of tape of him out there. We know he didn't play a lot in college. He was really only a full-time starter for one year, and that was Eastern Kentucky in 2017. He had a really a nondescript year at UConn. And by the way, I came up with this in my research. His first start for Eastern Kentucky, the opposing quarterback was none other, other than Mike White, who was playing for Western Kentucky. So, you know, it's interesting. I thought that was an interesting little nugget. So I think Boyle, I think he'll, he'll try to get rid of the ball quickly. That's what he kept saying today. He goes, I know this offense. I know Nathaniel Hackett. He goes, I can get rid of the ball quickly, and I can get it into the hands of the playmakers. I do think just his mere presence will probably give a little bit of a spark to the rest of the players simply because it's a change and it's something different. Now, whether he can sustain that spark, I have no idea. Rich, I need you to read kind of between the lines, maybe read the tea leaves a little bit on this one, uh, because it was yesterday that Robert Salas seemed to kind of hint that he didn't really, he wasn't really in favor of drafting Zach Wilson with the second pick, and then he clarified the statements today. What do you make of those statements? Yeah, I mean, uh, yesterday he was, just to give the listeners a quick review, yesterday he was asked on a Zoom call if he could go back and do things anything differently for that 2021 draft. You know, does he have any thoughts on that? He goes, yeah, actually I do. I've shared them with Joe Douglas, but I'd rather not share them here. And he left it at that. So that's a cryptic comment. We probably should have followed up right there and then. We didn't, uh, you know, I guess bad job by us in the media. But I did ask him today, you know, following up, like, would you like to clarify or explain, you know, what you meant by that? And he gave some general answer. And I think he was thankful that someone asked him because I think he wanted to put a different spin on it. And he gave really, he said he he and Douglas are on the same page that he misunderstood the question yesterday. I don't know. Robert Sala is a really smart guy. And I think everything he says in these press conferences is very uh, calculated. I don't think he says anything that slips off his tongue without having a purpose to it. But, uh, and so I'm not sure what to read into it. I don't think, you know, I, I know in, in the Jet building there were some people who didn't want to draft Zach Wilson. Uh, I've reported that before. I think some people wanted to keep Sam Darnold and, and keep that number two pick and then eventually trade that number two pick. But Joe Douglas didn't, you know, he wanted to go in a different direction. So, uh, but as far as I know, I think they're still in lockstep. But certainly when he makes comments like that, it, it certainly raises an eyebrow. Yeah, there's no question about that. Rich Semini is joining us for his weekly spot here on ESPN New York tonight. All right, Rich, uh, as as we always do, give me your thought process (laughs) about this offensive line. Who's playing? Who's not playing? Who's going to be there? And will we see some tight ends trying to help out Max Mitchell on the right side? Yeah, Max Mitchell did not have a good game on Sunday. I mean, it it was a bad game. He actually played better the week before against Max Crosby, but this week uh, Leonard Floyd ate his lunch in Buffalo. So, yeah, this is going to be an interesting one this week. Um, They've started 11 different linemen this year, which is uh, most in the league, which is hard to believe. And uh, they've used 13 different linemen, which is already more than last year for the entire year. And the big question this week is going to be at left tackle. 
very, very interesting situation there. Makai Becton has a low ankle sprain that I'm told is a one- to two-week injury. However, he really wants to play on Friday, and I think there's a good chance he will play. Um, he's not going to be 100%, but I think he's going to tape it up and try to get out there and play. Now there's the Dwayne Brown situation. Uh, I get the sense, and I tweeted this out this morning, that things weren't going in the right direction for him to be activated off IR, but I'm hearing later in the day that maybe there is a chance that he will play. Um, it's a very, very interesting situation. There's a lot of stuff going on behind the scenes there, but I do know Makai Becton really wants to play on Friday, and we're going to know by Thursday on whether Brown gets activated. Rich, I realize there's seven games left, and with the Jets, the seven games can feel like three years sometimes. But barring not yeah. making the playoffs and barring just an outright collapse, what is your sense of possible changes that could happen after this season is over? Well, I mean, if they finish with four wins or uh, five wins, I mean... Right, like, let's say I, they know, win yeah. like two or three games the rest of the way. They finish roughly where they were last year. Do you think that, they'd, that, the, well, that I, the coaching staff would get a pass because of the Rodgers thing, or do you think that there could be a shakeup? Yeah, seven and ten to me would actually be a pretty good coaching job to go seven and ten with, uh, with basically Zach Wilson like they did last year and quarterback instability and a whole bunch of changes on the offense. Seven and ten to me would not warrant Robert Sala losing his job. Um, now, if they only win five or six games, then I think everything's on the table. The problem, you know, the X factor here is Aaron Rodgers and his strong relationship with Nathaniel Hackett. Um, I, you know, I, some people I heard on on another radio station today, people speculating that maybe they would promote Hackett to the head coach just to satisfy Rodgers there is that is so ridiculous they're not going to do that you know they're not going to promote the guy whose offense is historically bad so <laughs> it, it would create it, yeah that would even for Woody Johnson that would be an incredible stretch so uh, my gut is that they'll give these guys another run at it next year with the healthy Rodgers and Hackett with his guy and Sala and Douglas back uh, that's that's my best guess right now um you know, there's no reason for them to run the table with losses because the schedule does get a little bit easier after this Miami game. They have Atlanta, they have Houston. I know Houston's playing a little bit better, but they have the Commanders. So there's there's definitely two or three more wins in there. And uh, if they get to seven, I think they can chalk it up to uh, just a bad year with injuries and, and run it back next year. But if they if they stumble and they pull a collapse like they did last year then I think all bets are off. Could you see – I'm sorry, Larry, to cut you off. Uh, could you see any uh, sense of of, uh, the, of Jeff Ulbrich maybe being that fa- – you know, obviously you can't make Hackett the, the offensive coordinator that had next head coach. Could you see any push to – you know, the defense is really good. He's the defensive coordinator. Could you see any push if they have to make a change that he could be the next head coach? It's interesting that you mentioned that, Gordon, because on my podcast last week I did mention that possibility. You know, if they wanted to – um, keep the status quo without disrupting what they have on offense because if they fire Sala and they go out and hire another head coach, yeah, no head coach that. from the outside is going to come in in his right mind and keep Nathaniel Hackett as the offensive coordinator. Um, so, I mean, promoting Albrecht to head coach 
um, for like a promotion for doing a job well done on the defense and then having him keep Hackett as his OC, you know, that there is some logic to that. And I think that is certainly reasonable to speculate on something that if they wanted to go in that direction. So uh, there's a lot that there's still so many, like you yeah, said, there's no, a long it's... way to go and, and, and things, and things could happen. I think <laughs> right. keeping the team together for Sala is going to be vital. You know, if there's any signs of fracturing, I think that would really be detrimental to his cause. But uh, so those are the things to watch if moving forward. Rich, are there enough? You mentioned the schedule gets easier. Are there enough wins that Aaron Rodgers would return? And who gets to tell him, no, you can't play? Well, if you take their words at face value, the only people who are going to tell him no are the doctors. So um, the Jets, uh, you know, Robert Sala said they will give him the green light if the doctors clear him. Now, I think everyone uh, probably heard or, or saw what Rogers said today on the McAfee show. You know, he said he's he's trying to practice in a couple of weeks. You know, he wants to be back on the practice field around his birthday, which is December 2nd. Of course, that's a Saturday, so they don't practice. But, you know, maybe December 6th, which is a Wednesday, and that would give him three weeks to get ready for uh, – the Christmas Eve game against Washington, which is the game I think he's targeting. Uh, I do think he wants to see, you know, if the team can somehow stay in contention. And um, uh, it's a fascinating story, guys, because I, I don't know of a doctor. The doctors I've talked to, who obviously are not directly involved in the case, say they can't imagine a doctor clearing a professional athlete only four months after Achilles surgery to go back into action. So. But those are outside doctors. Rodgers has his own doctors. The Jets have their doctors. And so they're going to have to uh, come to some sort of agreement. And if they do, and Rodgers wants to play, he's going to play. Now, I don't think it would be a wise decision because, you know, the Jets will probably be playing meaningless games. What's the point? You know, why, why put your self-interest above that of the teams and you could possibly compromise next season? So uh, there's much to be said and done here. This is going to be a very fascinating, multi-layered story as we move forward in the next couple of weeks. Uh, no shortage of uh, conversation for the podcast, for the flight deck, huh, Rich? <laughs> yeah, we got one that dropped today. We got into the um, into the whole Zach Wilson situation about what they were thinking when they drafted him and everything, and also his future and, you know, what his future might be like in New York. And so we get into all the different uh, angles and ramifications of this latest quarterback decision. Uh, Rich, you, one day you're going to write a book about quarterback errors of the Jets that you covered. <laughs> well, you know, that. it's funny, It's funny, Larry, because uh, when they announced Boyle the other day, I, I went back and checked. So he'll be the 34th different starting quarterback that I've covered since uh, covering the Jets. And I tweeted all the names out from Ken O'Brien all the way to Tim Boyle uh, with 32 other guys in between. So, uh, yeah, so quarterback number 34 wow. takes the field on Friday. Yeah, cr crazy. And, Gordon, there was one year where, where I was doing sideline, Rich, what we have, Quincy Carter. We had like five or six in one season. They might not be done there. You never know. Simeon might be a week away. <laughs> Oh, Simeon's playing. You guarantee that Simeon's going to be playing at some point this year. So uh, but who knows? Maybe maybe Wilson will be back. You never. He's going to be oh, the inactive no, no, third no, no, quarterback. No, no, no. Seven Sunday. games is a long time, but, uh, Rich. No. You know that. <laughs> I've seen crazy stuff happen. We never thought he'd come back last year. And, of course, there he was back in the lineup after uh, Mike White got his ribs blown up by uh, 
by Matt Milano. So you just you just never know. Rich, enjoy your Thanksgiving. We'll be reading you and watching you on on Friday. Enjoy the game. Thanks, Rich. All right, thanks, guys. Happy Thanksgiving to you too. All right, thank you, sir. This is ESPN New York Tonight with Larry Hardesty and Gordon Damer on 98.7 ESPN. Gordon, in 2005, mm-hmm. when I was, uh, I think that was my, I think that might have been my first year on the sidelines. Mm-hmm. It was like a couple of years ago, 2005. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I was talking to uh, Joe and Harvey this weekend about a movie called The Edge. Mm-hmm. Anthony Hopkins, uh, Alec Baldwin. I said, yeah, eh, it probably came out like, 10, 11 years ago, and Harvey informed me it came out in 1997. Wow. I said, oh, that's like 10, 11 years. 1997, yeah, that's like 10, 11 years ago, right, Larry? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, All definitely. Right. I'm just, sorry. Just Go ahead, few, Larry. Just a few years. Right, just a few. Um, Brooks Bollinger. <laughs> Vinny Testaverde. <laughs> and Chad Pennington. Yeah. And the year before mm-hmm. was uh, Chad Pennington and Quincy Carter, former Cowboy. Yep. Yep, they've had they've had they've had some interesting ones. They've, they've, well, I would say that like they have not made the playoff. The last quarterback of the Jets when they made the playoffs the last time was Mark Sanchez. Mark Sanchez has been retired. Yeah, for a bunch of years at this point. A while, he and he's been, been gone from here for a very long time. A while. Yep, a while. Back to the phones. Winston's in White Plains. What's up, Winston? Hey guys, how you doing? What's going on, Winston? All right, all right. Enjoying the uh, enjoying the show tonight. It's been a while since I've been able to uh, to listen to you guys. Interesting talk uh, all day, really, and all week about uh, about the Jets situation, and particularly with with, with Zach Wilson. Um, you know, I, I compare him, and I know they're not the same quarterback. Geno was much better. I mean, was much more successful, I think, with the Jets. But you know, when I look at Zach, and I'm not really a Jets fan, I'm a New Yorker, but you know, my my, my loyalties go with the Cowboys. Actually, we got our own quarterback problems, in my opinion, down there. But um, you know, Zach, when he throws the ball, when he's on, he's talented, and I really I get excited when he, when he when he really gets a good pass off and and it's successful. And you, I grow to expect that when I watch the Jets, and you know, it's really the the mistakes he made makes. You know, the, you know, why did you throw it there? Why did you throw it into double coverage? Why didn't you get rid of the ball? You know, those are the type of issues. And really, in many respects, I recall Geno having the same issues. I, I really do. It was the same situation. He would throw those picks. He would get sacked because he held on to the ball too, too, for, for too long a period of time. And I think, it, it, again, he's a developmental quarterback. And I think right now, you know, when, when, when you're spending your number one draft pick on, on a quarterback, you expect immediate results. That's just the world we're living in right now. And I, I think I don't want to make a victim out of this guy, but I think certainly that's the situation. You know, I think in time, wherever he goes, if it's not with the Jets, he will be uh, considerably better. And frankly, I think even with that, um, the, the the Vegas game, I mean, yeah, the, the, the Raiders game, I mean, if not for the penalties in, in the most inopportune time, he would have had a lot of success during that game. You know, it's just there's a, there's a, just a lack of accountability and a lack of discipline, I think. And that's where you got to look at the, the coaches, in my opinion. All right, Winston, thanks for the phone call. Yeah, listen, nobody is saying that the only reason they're in this position is because of Zach Wilson. That's not it. Obviously, drops, penalties, injuries on the offensive line. There's a bunch of things. But while you were talking, Gordon, I decided to punch up Geno against Zach. Just, mm-hmm. just, just for a little conversation. Mm-hmm. Let's go through the first three years. Um, 
And once again, Winston, before I get to the stats, you're right. Remember, Gino was angry because he was there on the second day. Okay, he didn't go in the first round. Right. He, he, he was there the second day. This is the number two quarterback overall, number two overall pick. Um, Geno Smith, this is Geno Smith from, uh, okay, just overall numbers, overall numbers. Geno Smith has played 72 games, Gordon. Mm-hmm. Zach Wilson, 32. Now, once mm-hmm. again, you understand that I'm talking about their whole careers. I'm not right. doing, doing the thing. Um, Gino has uh, 60. He's started 61 games, and uh, Zach has started 31. Uh, Gino's got 76 touchdowns. Zach Wilson has 21. Uh, Gino's got 55 interceptions. Zach Wilson's got 25. And the completion percentage is higher for Gino. Now, once again, I get it. We're, I really wanted to break down the three years comparable, Gordon. Right. But in just doing it real quick, yeah. You and, and we understand that Gino was a better quarterback. And Winston, look, a lot of quarterbacks have the issues that, that young quarterbacks have those issues. We get that. But even Gino started to do some things in that second and third year, Gordon, where you said, you know what? Okay, I see him getting better. I, I can see, yeah, there's some turnovers, but it's not the way it was. I can start to see him doing some things and getting better. Um, now, of course, they ended up having to make a change, and, you know, things went crazy anyway. But they they it wasn't a drought like this drought here. Yeah, you know, going. This is this is a this is a historic type drought. Yeah, he has. He the, the problem with Zach is he's never shown really any signs of improvement. It's yeah. been pretty much the same thing the entire time. And I would go back and, and look at um, Gino's first year with the Jets was 2013. He threw 12 mm-hmm. touchdowns and 21 interceptions. He's a rookie. Okay, fine. Second year, 13 touchdowns, 13 interceptions. The uh, completion percentage is just under 60 percent. But you take a look at the team that they had. They, they, they had around them. Um, the the leading rusher on the team was Chris Ivory. Mm-hmm. The leading receiver was Eric Decker. It was mm-hmm. not exactly a, a and this is not exactly a stacked team either. But I think there's more talent on this team than than them. And I, and I would say this about Gino. Gino had to go be a backup for like six or seven years. Mm-hmm. Yep. And it was a miracle last year when he did what he did. And it certainly Nobody seems like last it. year was a was a career year for him. Now he's still mm-hmm. good this year, but not as good as he was last year. Uh, I'll be interested to see what happens. Zach Wilson, if he's smart, he would take an opportunity in San Francisco, yep. in Kansas City. He's yep. got to go to someone who's like a guru. Yep. And let that go. and and if it means sitting behind them for a couple of years wherever he goes, sit. 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 That's right. You're a thousand percent right. Mickey's in Mayo Pack. Mickey, you're next on 98.7. Hey, how you doing? Hey, Mickey. I, you know, every time I hear Robert Salad, it gets me in the mood for Marsala and salad and vinaigrette with some fresh Italian bread. How about you? There you go. <laughs> Maybe because Thanksgiving's coming. But I, I just wanted to duck over to the NFC. I'm sorry, just for a second. Um, I'm looking at Seattle and, and Green Bay. They're playing Thursday, and their schedule's are brutal. I think Seattle's got San Francisco twice and Dallas and Philadelphia and Green Bay the same with the Chiefs. It looks like that third wild card spot in the NFC is going to stay at around six wins 
by the time mid-December comes around. Like, those guys will probably be 6-8 and eight or something like that. So, it, it, oddly enough, if the Giants could ever get these two games at home coming up, this is the way Tommy DeVito and the defense is playing, I know it's Washington they beat. I mean, they would be in the conversation at 5-8 and eight going down to New Orleans. <laughs> <laughs> trying to get to six and eight, as 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 unbelievable as that sounds, yeah, they could be in the com. They could at least make right. the final three games of the year mean something at six and eight. When you would never think that last week. At no, two I eight. would. I would not think it now as well. Yeah, I would no. also not think it now. There, there there's. I, I would say that there's zero percent chance of that happening. Maybe it's zero point three. 0.5. You can never say zero point zero except uh, zero point one. 0.1 maybe, Larry? Yeah, I, mean, I would say. Like, I if you're say. drawing up the scenario for the Giants, what you're saying is you can draw up a scenario for anybody in the NFC. Mm-hmm. You can draw up a scenario for the Arizona Cardinals. You could draw up a, like, you could draw up a, I would say you could draw up a scenario for everyone outside of the Carolina Panthers. Yep. That's the only team that I would rule out. Because basically, I mean, at least Arizona, they got the quarterback back and they've, they've looked better offensively as a result. And the scary thing there would be, what if you made that hypothetically, okay, hypothetically, Mickey, you make that run. Oh, God, that would be so. And so then you fall a game short, and now you're totally out of the, 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 the top oh. spot quarterback in the draft. And you, and you still didn't make the postseason. And this is like a couple of years. What was that, 2020, when the Giants were all ticked off because the Eagles sat their players yeah. and, mm-hmm. and, and they screwed them and they didn't. And they were six and ten, as if you should want to make the playoffs when you're six and ten. And you watch, Larry. Yes. Even if the Giants lose all these games, they lose the Patriots, they lose all these teams. Mm-hmm. They got two against the Eagles. You can't see the Eagles not needing a game, throwing yes. a game against the Giants just so they pick five picks later in the draft. Absolutely, I can. I really can. Oh, I will. I'll be there for. I'll, I'll eat that up. I'd love. I'd love to see the Giant fans freak out about that because look. Here's the thing, Giant fan. I know you had a bad season and it's been yep. a bad run. Here we go. In terms of the NFL complaint department, you guys, back of the line. You guys, you guys just got here. We're like the people in the Beetlejuice office, you know, the guys who are sitting there for years of our lives. <laughs> you guys just showed up and are trying to swipe the little number away from us. And we saw how that happened. Got a little tiny head. Don't want that little tiny head. You want your normal size head. Back of the line. This is ESPN New York Tonight with Larry Hardesty and Gordon Damer on 98.7 ESPN. It's ESPN New York Tonight. Hardesty and Damer till midnight. So, Gordon, uh, Joe and I were watching this Laker uh, jazz NBA in-season tournament West Group A game. This court is... Uh, is that tonight? Oh, geez, I didn't realize, Larry. I know. This this court is... is it's not yellow, it's yellow. <laughs> the Lots one the yellow. other night that the Knicks were playing on, what game was that? Oh. The one that they won. Is that the Charlotte? Hornet game? That had to be the Charlotte game. Yeah. Was that the it, Charlotte it, it made it me feel be. like I was going colorblind. It, it was like such a weird... I'm like... The color on the TV off? Is it me? <laughs> do I need? Do I have scurvy? Do I have something going on with me personally that I need to know about? Oh man! Just oh yeah, listen. I see the oh ooh, yeah that uh, that jumps out at you. That's for sure. 
just give me the regular floor. If you want to put some 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 trophies on the end line or something like that, I'm good. Uh, give me the regular floor. Can you give me the regular floor, please? Nope. I, I just, Apparently not. Give me a break. So uh, you were talking about the Giants before we went to break. And we'll talk some NBA. We'll talk Knicks uh, at the top of the hour for our final hour. Talk a little basketball, Knicks, Nets, and whatever. But, Gordon, I, I am – now, look, Tommy DeVito has played well the past two games for the Giants. Mm-hmm. Gave a very good showing against Washington. Great story. But this week is Belichick. Mm-hmm. And I know that Belichick has been awful this year. The team yes. has been awful. They've been right. brutal. But how do you prepare? How how does Dable and Kafka prepare him for facing a Bill Belichick defense that is specifically tailored to him? So you don't even know what he's going to do. It, it's 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 yeah. Well, not, well, here's the thing: they have to make sure he does not throw any pick sixes, because mm-hmm. as long as he does not throw any pick sixes, with the Patriots' offense being what it is, the Giants have a very good. They know they might only have to score one touchdown. Yep. So how's this game? for? How's this for a stat, Larry? The game in Germany against the Colts, mm-hmm. the Patriots rushed. For 167 yards, and they gave up 10 points, and they lost the game. Mm. And you think to yourself, well, how often does that happen? A team rushes for 160 yards, they yeah. give up only 10. NFL teams had been 266 and 0 when doing that. <laughs> They're now 266 <laughs> and 1, and that one is the Patriots. I was reading an article uh, for the Saturday show about the Patriots, and it was Mm -hmm. this column that does like a four up, four down. So four positives, four negatives. Mm -hmm. After that game in Germany, they gave up after three ups. They they, they didn't even do a fourth up. And one of the ups was Ezekiel Elliott. Yeah. So the Patriot, we've all waited for the Patriot bubble to collapse. Oh, so good. It, 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 this is like the Hindenburg. Uh, This is, this is collapsed. It's on fire. It is. Oh, it's beautiful. It is beautiful. It is spectacular. In the words of Seinfeld, it is real and it is spectacular how bad the Patriots are. So this is another game where the giants could conceivably win. And and, in regards to the caller saying about, Oh, it's not crazy that the giants could get back into the playoff chase. It is. <laughs> it is because they're not going to play the Patriots every week. And even as bad as the NFC is after those top teams, Eagles, Cowboys, Niners, Lions, and the team from the NFC South, you're talking about the next two spots likely going to the Seahawks and the Vikings. And mm-hmm. even if those teams fall off, as of right now, they still have double the amount of wins that the Giants have. Yeah. And as Harvey pointed out, the Seahawks have the tiebreaker. Yeah. So, yeah. The, A lot of help. I mean, <laughs> last night after you departed, somebody said the the Jets should fire Robert Sala and give the job to Jeff Saturday. And now the Giants, we have fans calling up saying it's not crazy that the Giants. Get, this is what these teams do to. This is what it's this true. is how this manifests mm-hmm. year in and year out of bad football. Yep. I heard somebody defending Robert Sala the other day. I think it was on the K show saying, "Well, you know, the team's not mathematically eliminated. They're not supposed to be mathematically <laughs> eliminated by Thanksgiving." <laughs> That's not, that's, not, that's not a feather in your cap. You're not putting up any banners. Hey, we weren't eliminated by Thanksgiving. Oh, boy. It, it, it's, it's, it's something else. It really is. And, oh, my and gosh. 
Gordon, Belichick is not saying who the quarterback is until Sunday. Right, right. <laughs> He's going to spin that wheel in the office as if, as if there's, oh, my God, what are we going to do against Bailey Zappi? What are we going to do against? I think it's pretty clear it's not going to be Mac Jones. That much is. Yeah, and, really. and you know what? I will say Mac Jones. Mm-hmm. We were talking earlier about quarterbacks, and they're not finished products. It's a lot of things that go into it. I think yep. that the Patriots have kind of ruined Mac Jones. Well, the lack of talent around him, the offensive yeah. line not being good. I don't think he's gotten good coaching last year. Matt Patricia was the <laughs> offensive coordinator, for God's sakes. With Joe Judge helping out. Right, <laughs> right, right, right. This will do it. We, we crushed the Jets for the mistakes that they made. Can you imagine if they hired oh, Matt man. Patricia? Could you imagine the oh. calls, Larry, if after this year the Jets say, you know what, we fired Nathaniel Hackett, but you know what, we're going to have co-offensive coordinators, yes. Matt Patricia and Joe, Joe Judge. Judge. Yes, absolutely. You might, you might have more power outages at the house. I'm telling you so, right now, you'd be out. You'd so, be out. You would just take off. I got to get out of here. Look into anything of that nature. So, You'd have to get out of here. So I wanted, I wanted to be in the room. When Belichick said, you know, here's an idea. Mm-hmm. Let's let's have Patricia help him because Patricia, being a defensive guy, can help him understand what the defenses are doing. And then Joe Judge worked can out come swell. In. Yeah. And then Joe Judge can come in and you know teach him how to see the field because he's a special teams guy who has to always see the field. I just, I, how do you? <laughs> oh my god. He should have been fired after that. Oh, just my that gosh. alone. Yeah. That alone. That. Thank you, Bill. Thank that you just the, shows you what power he has. He, he could do whatever he wants. And maybe no better example of that is he hired for his young quarterback, who he's still kind of helping mature and help grow uh-huh. into the position, Matt Patricia, <laughs> Joe Judge. <laughs> what could possibly go wrong? Oh, my God. Uh, 1-800-919-3776. Oh, it feels so good to laugh at the Patriots. We'll come back and take your calls next on 9870 ESPN. This is ESPN New York Tonight with Larry Hardesty and Gordon Damer on 98.7 ESPN. We got the tour coming up next year, huh, Gordon? They do. I was just, you know, I like trying to get my my son, loves the music and, you know, he's a drummer and all that kind of stuff. So I like to get him to any bands, any bands that I like that the guys are still alive. Mm -hmm. I like Mm -hmm. to try and get him tickets. Yeah. So I was looking at what the Rolling Stones set list uh-huh. You know, Ooh, how many okay. hit, did, did they put any new songs in there? Nobody wants to hear any of the new stuff. They want to hear all the no. old stuff. Mm-hmm. So they wrap up their concert. How's this for a final six or so, seven song wrap up? Okay. Paint it black. Start mm-hmm. me up. Mm. Give me shelter. Jumping Jack Flash. Sympathy mm. for the devil. I can't get no satisfaction. I guess uh, Lady Gaga will not be in any of those songs. I don't think so. They, I mean, that's, that's a pretty strong wrap up, though. That that one, that's one you have to stay through the encore. I can't get no satisfaction. A little wow. Met Life action in May. I think they're playing in May. Yeah, here. Yeah, yeah. Wow. And I don't think they haven't said this is their final tour, but I mean, could you imagine? How old is Mick Jagger? 80 years old? Do you have any 80 year olds you know in your life? Uh, 80. And, and he's up there. I mean, he's a physical Working. freak. He's, 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 he's singing like for two was, and a half hours. Like he was 20. Right? And he's not sitting in some chair. He's out no. there. He's sweating away. Yeah. God bless him. It's amazing. It's it amazing. is amazing. And in an era, Gordon, and we get to the calls in a second, in an era where you hear about young artists losing their voice. Right. 
um, not having no stage presence, mm. all the different things, canned music, can't sing, right. you know, all, all the criticisms. These veterans just continue to roll, just continue to keep moving on. It's, 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 it's crazy. It's crazy. It's a testament. And Gordon, they weren't in their young life. They weren't exactly after the no. show going home and getting under no. the covers and going to bed. <laughs> no, <laughs> no. Mick Jagger. Could you? I mean, I mean, the walls could talk. Oh my God. <laughs> Who? And if you had told me at at you know fifteen, sixteen, mm-hmm. that I'd be here fifty two, fifty three, and 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 um, Keith Richards would yeah. still be out there. Yep. God bless him. Yeah. That, that you know what that's similar to me Gordon for for me this I got this because uh, I went maybe about three or four years ago just to mm-hmm. see uh, I got this flash on my email temptations and four tops I'm like oh my god they're still they're Come still on. going on right and they still got a couple of original guys in the group mm-hmm. even though they, even though they've had right I mean you, you got to have some changes there right absolutely seventeen different temptations right and fifteen and twenty five different combinations or something of that nature. Uh, you know, but nevertheless, it's like it's amazing. They're still going on. Gordon singing the same songs, packing them in. Packing That's what people in. want to hear. They don't want to hear any. There's no new stuff. We don't want to hear any new stuff. Just yeah. play me the stuff that I I, I came for. Yeah. Get, I, I'm looking right now, Larry. On, on mm-hmm. according to Wikipedia, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen. There's 25 past members of the Temptations. The yeah. original. There's the original five. Right. And then there's another 25. That's right. And counting. And counting. <laughs> and counting. Hey, it still sounded good, right? You still, still, you still enjoyed yourself? You didn't regret? Still enjoyed it. Absolutely. Still enjoyed it. Looked at him and said, listen, I know you can't do that same choreography you did 105 years ago, but that's, that's not bad. Okay. <laughs> that's not bad. You sound good. That's, mm-hmm. and that's all that's I'm all looking for, Gordon. That's, that's what all we're I'm looking for. for. Right. And the other thing that's amazing, and you're doing it with your son, Jack, and, and I had a conversation with my son. Shamari about a week or so ago and he's like you know I was listening to this music and and people are like wow how do you know that he said it's my dad's fault I tell them when they when they're in the car with me I should be charging you money I'm giving you a music (laughs) education I should be charging you for this I could teach a class on this that's it that's it oh Listen to us. Two old guys. Get off right, our lawn exactly. with this music. Absolutely. <laughs> Back to the phones we go. Ben's in Brooklyn. What's up, Ben? Hey, Larry. How's it going? I'm doing pretty and, good, Ben. And, uh... Thank God. I don't know if you remember, I called back a bunch of weeks. I'm a Dyer Giants fan. I called a bunch of weeks ago, mm-hmm. and uh, maybe I should be making the same money as Robert Sala or more because I knew six, seven weeks ago Zach Wilson couldn't play in the NFL. But, of course, <laughs> Robert Sala decided to waste the fan base and season ticket holders' time. But, you know, that's just, that just one point I'm making, just to point out when they, they, they tell you sometimes that these coaches know more than the fans and these coaches are clearly just lying to us. But that's just one point. I just want to say I don't want to come off as one of these delusional Giant fans, but if DeVito wins this <laughs> Sunday and they're 4-8 and eight going into the bye, mm-hmm. other than the two Eagle games, I do think with Tyrod Taylor at the helm, they mm-hmm. could beat the Packers, Saints, and the Rams theoretically. All right, so ben, let me, all right, so, Ben, let me ask you this. Humor me for a second. How is 
Is making the playoffs that important to you, or would you rather say, you know what, let's stick with DeVito, let's see what he can do, Let's because there's more things than just quarterback that we need to improve on this team. Let's try to get some draft choices. You would rather forego that and take a roll, roll the dice and try to get to the postseason? I'm not it's, – it's a funny question. I wasn't expecting the question. I was thinking more of just what I feel like Dable is not interested in in lying over. I feel like Dable's not wired that way. As a fan, I guess I'd rather make a run for the playoffs because you never know what the future can hold. So, like, to me, I always go in win or, or, or go, you know, win or, win or die trying. That's my you, feeling. I got you. Thanks for the phone call. No, I wouldn't expect Dable. Dable is not supposed to lay down. No. And the players are not supposed to lay down. So I get that. You don't have to worry about that. He's, he's going to make sure they, they, they play well. Larry, how many more games oh. do they have against the Commanders this year? <laughs> I think they're done. Yeah? <laughs> I think so. I think so then outside more. of the Commanders, they have one win this season. And now we're talking about the playoffs. On a roll, baby. Oh, my God. On a roll. It can change on a dime. Mm. It can change on a dime. 